Welcome to Estradile Illusions. We're going to do another solo show today, and we're going to talk about a subject that is probably not for everybody, but it's an important subject because everybody has these things. The subject of today's episode is feelings. We're going to talk about transitioning and the emotional changes of HRT and the emotions I felt before transitioning and certainly the emotions I feel afterward. A lot of mushy stuff that if you're if you've discovered this podcast for video games or Game of Thrones or anything else, uh, this episode might not be for you. But uh, I'm gonna try and get as raw into the inner mindset of a transgender person as I can. Something that is certainly difficult to unpack. I actually sitting before you, I have struggled for a few weeks on how to do this, and every time I sort of think, gee, maybe I should walk away from it, or maybe I don't need to do it, that kind of reinforces the idea that uh, this is a subject that people can benefit from uh, talking about. Not just me, but um, anyone. We struggle with our feelings, and we're told we should express them, and it's hard for a lot of people to do that. Transitioning has, in a lot of ways, uh, required me to relearn my own emotions. I feel things that I didn't feel before in ways that I hadn't felt them before. And, uh, you know, that's that's one of the unique uh, aspects of this whole journey. The idea that You experience these uh, emotions, and you have to take a second and say, well, what's this? I haven't felt this before. It still happens. I mean, I have a better idea of uh, when I react to something in a way that I hadn't before. I get a sudden urge to cry or something, and you say to yourself, well, isn't this this strange, or isn't this nice? And it was... uh, Definitely one of the more exciting parts of my first year of transitioning. Even when it happens now, I get a even a teensy bit excited, even when I uh, feel a tear coming on. I'm just like, ooh, haven't had this kind of reaction to something before. And uh, for a lot of people, that's not going to make any sense. And uh, to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense either. But uh, that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode and talk about feelings, because too often we just bottle them up. And transitioning wouldn't be any fun if I did that. That's not why we went on this journey. We had to uh, get to the bottom of all of it and to feel the stuff and to uh, process it all, take it in, try to make something of it. To uh, relearn your own emotional framework, which is uh, constantly exciting and terrifying and all of of those other feelings that don't... uh, Immediately get put into words, but uh, that's 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 the beauty of it. Take it in, try to make sense of it, fail at some points, but that's life. That's uh, that's why we're on this uh, journey. Maybe could uh, maybe that's not the meaning of life. I don't mean to uh, have solved everything in the first uh, couple of minutes, but um, this is something you're interested in. I welcome you to. Uh, Sit back and hang out for the next hour or so and try to figure out some stuff. But 
as somebody who for decades and decades, not really decades and decades, for a while held in, stayed in the closet and all of that, I know firsthand the destructive uh, force that holding, that bottling all of that stuff in can have on a person. The destructive force that keeping all of that stuff uh it becomes a unwieldy leviathan that you have to live with and uh you have to except in the sense that you don't have to live with that cuz you can let it go as i did it's like a uh self-contained staying in the closet is uh it, it's accurate to say that it's a prison of your own making and yet that doesn't you know, a lot of people's cases, uh, sadly, doesn't really tell the whole story because there's plenty of people who stay in the closet for plenty of legitimate reasons for their own safety or their well-being or whatnot. And that's uh, hopefully that's something that will change in the world. But I also just want to make clear that everything I say about my transition or the way that HRT has affected my life, uh, that represents me and my experience alone, you may find with other transgender people there are similarities or there's some overlap, maybe plenty of overlap, but at the end of the day, I am a singular individual. And I guess, you know, it's it, obviously everybody's feelings are their own, but one thing that transgender people often encounter in the media or social media or even in daily life is because there's so few of us out there and there's so many people out there who haven't interacted with transgender people. Some people can look at one person's experience and say, oh, that's how everybody, that's how every transgender person acts. Well, it's not. But I had always been interested in feelings. I'd always been, before I transitioned, people, uh, I could be very sensitive. I'm still very sensitive, but... A metaphor I've been thinking about a lot in terms of sort of just the, the effect that staying in the closet has on your mental health. If you ever, if you know anything about computers or coding, you have to like line up the stuff pretty well. Or when you try to execute a command or something, if one or two things are off, sometimes that'll crash everything or the command function won't be executed properly. It just doesn't work. And, or it just won't work. And for me, that having to harbor that in my mind for so long, it wasn't like it was a total struggle absolute, each and every day. And yet, a lot of times it had a, sort of an effect of snowballing a lot of other things, especially if I had been down or hit with the gender dysphoria bug recently or that day it uh it affects things and it doesn't always it didn't always affect things but it often did and uh it's annoying because everybody wants to feel like they're in control of their own mental health or their own lives and oftentimes i wasn't really in control of either i became a certified yoga teacher in 2012 and i'd started yoga a couple years before that which was uh, a while before I transitioned, but I did that largely in an effort to, to gain as much of a mastery of my own sense of mindfulness or well-being as possible. And not to say that I'm a yoga master or anything, 
Not that anybody would think that, but <laughs> not to say that I uh, mastered anything in particular, because uh, this may come as a surprise to you, but yoga does not uh, cure gender dysphoria. So uh, you can have all the wealth, w- wellness tips and all of the things to do when you're feeling bad, but uh, all the deep breaths in the world doesn't really uh, cure feeling that you're at your your emotional core you're you're not the person that you want to be or at your core that you're not the person that you would want to be which I wasn't for a very long time I'm not even sure I'm uh, I've uh you know blossomed into the the person that I want to be just yet but um I feel very uh I feel a lot more comfortable about the journey but um in the time before I transitioned, gender dysphoria would often come at me. I've taken the sort of referring to the the sort of panic or the anxiety attacks that were, were really, really driven by gender dysphoria, not not ones that dysphoria exacerbated. Those would happen on average about twice a year. And then they started getting a lot worse, which is why... Uh, I started listening to the signs. I mean, that's the problem with gender dysphoria. It happens, and you kind of know the solution. You choose not to, and then it happens again. And the big the big attacks that really would just grind everything to a halt, they would happen about twice a year. I'd call it the biannual crisis. I'm sure it happened, you know, if I drew a chart of all of that, I'm sure there'd be... More, and it wouldn't be a total exact science, but it's about as much of a... That's about close enough for anyone trying to get a general sense of how it happened. It would be often triggered by transgender topics in the news, or I'd see a transgender person on YouTube. Well, I tended not to go searching for trans people on YouTube, but that would sometimes happen. Or you'd read like a news article in a magazine or something. And it would always eat away at me because, I mean, I guess there was probably some underlying feeling of jealousy at play, which would be kind of natural, but really it manifested itself more in a notion of, these people are doing it, why can't you? I've never, I've never been one that is, uh, I've never been a person who liked to be constricted by the idea that there are some things I can or can't do as a result of just my own humanity. I've talked in other podcasts about how I enjoy going around uh, Disneyland for 15 hours, and part of why I like doing that, even though I you know, go quite often, is with, with all of the hormonal changes, uh, you have less energy off of testosterone, and I love to just kind of have the sense that I'm defying uh, limitations placed on age or, uh, I mean, walking around 15 hours is tough, but uh, I would see these people living their lives. Obviously having struggles, but they're there, they're out there, they're throwing themselves out there. And I looked, and I would just, you know, the part of me would say, like, you coward, what are you waiting for? 
what are you waiting for? If you're in that closet and you're listening, um, I, I really identify with the the struggles that that in uh, that, that entails. But it's a persistent issue that happens all the time. I, my strongest advice is uh, it's not going to go away, so you do need to address it at some point on your own timetable. But uh, it's not going to go away. It never went away. I'd have this crippling anxiety. I'd be on the floor, and I'd just... just... The problem with resisting your mind telling you something like that, that, that there is a way out, there is a way forward, there is a path to happiness. The problem with, with, with ignoring that and choosing to not, not listen to what all the forces are telling you is that it breeds this just destructive form of nihilism. I'd have these feelings of, uh, these suicidal feelings that were, they're awful. They're awful to talk about. Certainly awful to experience. Slightly worse to experience than to talk about, but, uh, it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. And it's easy, it's easy to, to understand how that, as irrational as uh, taking your own life is, uh, it's also kind of easy just to understand that, you know, to, to look at this affliction, to try and tell yourself that, that you can't go forward, even though you can. Obviously, I know that now. But um, being too afraid to take that option, then you're thinking to yourself, well, what's the point? And it was always, it was, I, I struggled... I never really had a clear sense of I, I'm somebody who likes to plan three or four steps ahead. Although oddly enough, I'm I'm not great at chess. The perfect outlet for that, but uh, that's beside the point. But I like to I like to have plans. I like to follow plans, which isn't the same. Which isn't to say that I'm not spontaneous. But uh, plans are good, and it's tough. It's tough when that that kind of stuff would come at you uh, twice a year and. Uh, it's tough from there to to try and uh, plan for a future when you don't really see a way how you get there. And probably for the last two years of having these uh, biannual crises was that I... They were getting worse and worse. Like, they were just really, really pushing me to the brink of self-harm and just not seeing a way forward, not seeing any way to be happy. Because if you can't see a future which you're happy, I mean, it, 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 it's hard to it's hard to create an environment where you're doing anything but uh, simply living to the next day. I mean, it just does, like, every relationship I had in that time span was a disaster, inevitably. Uh, because you can't love somebody unless you love yourself. And God, for all those years, I was uh, a total mess. I did not love myself. It's even something that, like, in my head, it's like, say it, say that you love yourself. And yet I feel like the, uh, you're watching a sitcom where you've got your old, uh, grumpy man and, uh, like the ending of Boy Meets World when they're all saying to Mr. Feeney, tell us you love us. Um, and there's just that natural resistance, but uh, I like myself a lot more now. We'll use the word love. Let's just not leave you hanging. I love myself, I guess.
I didn't used to. It was hard. And I guess it's um, it's nice to acknowledge that things were really bad because they got better. And obviously, if they hadn't gotten better, we would not have an Estradiol Illusions, and uh, I doubt I'd be podcasting or... Well, actually, in, in, as an example of uh, broadcasting, I used to do a lot of Facebook Live videos. If you followed me throughout my whole literary career, you may have discovered me on that forum. Um, and so just for it, I got worse and worse, so I was just, I didn't want to do that. And throughout my transition, I didn't really want to either, because I was just so caught up in... Not even being able to gauge self-esteem because it was just such a foreign concept. Very difficult. So that's all, uh, that's all dour stuff that, um, it's important to talk about because I see all the time people say, oh, being transgender is a choice. You chose this. Uh, no, I chose, I chose to accept who I am. That was the choice. I chose to live life under the terms that I was born as, born under. I chose to live life under the terms I was born under. I chose to stop living a lie. And you get all the anti-transgender people who say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're actually living the lie now. And just... I can't do anything but roll my eyes at that, because I, I would just love to say, you know, if you... If you walked a mile in my flip-flops or my Disney vans. I don't know why I couldn't say shoes in that instance, but if you understood that, you would know that this is anything but a choice. And when you talk to transgender people in the closet who are saying, like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how I can tell my parents or I don't know how I can... Uh, I mean, the, the, just the, the reason we need the Equality Act more than anything is that uh, a lot of people, not even just family love, but, oh, I'll get fired... I live in the South, I'll get fired, I'll lose my job, and I'll become homeless. And that's a real-life concern for countless transgender people, not only across the United States, but across the world. And it's a bleak reality. And I'm grateful that I was in a position where I was able to have family support. That I was never... All my feelings of internal uh, anxiety and dread and self-loathing, all of that. I guess for years before growing up, I didn't think I'd have any sense of a professional career. And that's changed. Although that's changed on a, on a broader society level over the past couple of years. We've made a lot of progress. And it's important, even in the, uh, even in the depths of the shitstorm that's the Trump administration, it's important to know that it's important to remember that professionally or even, even, I mean, there's a, 10 years ago, the thought that all of these brands would be hawking their shit in pride was, was not something that people considered. It's hard to call that progress, but, uh, it's, it's better than the alternative of just pretending like gay people are this, uh, abomination against humanity. We are not. And yet, for years, I lived with the internalized 
sense that there was something about me that was wrong. I don't feel that way anymore. I've been creating my entire life. I used to tell stories on long car rides, usually to my grandmother, who, God bless her soul, would uh, listen to all my crap. I've been writing reviews, articles, all of that, pretty much since I was 10. And I love doing it. And I, I'm not a terribly extroverted person. I don't crave to be around people, and yet I also never shut up. So, it's a nice oxymoron. Um, I would have to create with with this this monkey on my back the whole time, though, that, that I could show the world my art, but I couldn't show them me. It's horrible to have to live like that. Because it, I didn't have to. I don't think much about the time that I lost... Coming out when I did. Mostly because I wasn't ready at the time. Sometimes I try to, though, because the the one thing that I've learned in this journey, and the, perhaps the thing that's really driving this particular episode, is the fact that feelings matter. I couldn't... I had to, I had to spend so much of my mental energy... Repressing the fact that I was a uh, transgender, that I was presenting to the world as the wrong gender for 20 years, having to deal with that, having to be okay with the fact that I was choosing not to do anything about something that for years and years and years, my mind kept saying, yeah, there's this problem you got to deal with. And I said, you know, let's, let's, uh, for two days or so, I'd be a total train wreck. And then you'd slowly pick up the pieces, and this was uh, this was reality for a while, and it sucked. And it sucks. And if you're going through this now, say it again. It's not going to get better until you address it. And there are so many people out there who struggle to control their feelings to begin with. For all sorts of reasons. I'd, I'd find myself... Uh, Blowing things out of proportion, uh, sometimes, maybe because I, maybe because it was challenging to see what the proportions were. Or you'd project your own, or I would project my own feelings of uh, dread over gender dysphoria onto, uh, you know, whatever, whatever else happened in life. The thing that I always remind people, and it needs to be, uh, you need to be constantly reminded of, is the fact that uh, there's a lot of a lot of issues that transgender people have to go through beyond beyond just their own sense of identity. There's a lot of things that people, if you're a cisgender person listening, I'm sure you have a lot of struggles in your life, and the fact that the fact that you're comfortable in your assigned birth gender is great. But it doesn't mean that every other aspect of your life is uh, peachy. For me, I had that baseline, okay, things weren't okay with who I was aside. And then something else would happen. And, you know, you try to have a measured response to things. And it's uh, very difficult. Because who wants to? You know, if I can't be who I am, people are going to, you know, give me slack. Well, then... uh 
let the fire breather out, scream and yell and go, rah, 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 rah. My life isn't the way I want it to be. Rah. Yep, something like that. The greatest gift that hormone replacement therapy, HRT, those little blue estradiol pills I have to take every day for the rest of my life, the greatest gift that those gave me is the sense that is a firmer sense of, of command over myself. And even like a broad, I mean, uh, testosterone as a, as a, as a drug, um, or testosterone as a substance is something that, uh, can make people angry. I mean, that's a, if you've, if you've ever, if you're a, a man who's been prescribed it for whatever reason, um, the whole concept of roid rage and steroids are testosterone. Testosterone is an incredibly, incredibly powerful hormone. All steroids have sort of a, a basis in, in testosterone production. And it can make people angry. The roid rage. The rah. Um, and that's not, uh, that's not just to sort of reduce anger to a subject of hormones. It's, it's, it's way more uh, complex than that. And I'm, I, it's difficult to speak uh, about testosterone in that way. And not sound like you're overgeneralizing, because of course we're overgeneralizing. But for somebody who shouldn't be on test, shouldn't produce testosterone for a transgender woman, God, that shit did not jo- it, it did not work with my system. And I know that more than anything, having spent years off of it. Before I transitioned, I was angry. The 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 time period between. The thing that was angry and the sort of the the reaction, the response, all of that was just a snap of the finger, just ready for war, just, you know, Now I feel way more in control of how I respond, how I react, how I process Things in life that weren't so fun. Something earlier today happened that wasn't so fun. And you can be sad about something and the world also doesn't need to end because of that. You can be angry and be angry for justifiable reasons. You know, it's, it's something we see all these people all the time talk about how anger is uh, not healthy. Sometimes anger is healthy. But I don't think it's healthy when you lose control of, of, of your, your uh, of who you are in the process. You always have to have to you know, anger isn't so bad if you're able to add a beginning, middle, and end to that kind of thing. Or even even if you're, you know, it's hard for somebody to just say, okay, I'm I'm gonna stop being angry now. Or to, uh, difficult to, to say that and then mean it, but just the idea of accepting that an end could come, that there will be a new tomorrow, that kind of stuff is important. And before I transitioned, it was often very hard for me to feel that. You know, in transgender activism, there's a lot of, uh, 
a lot of times when there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of hey, there's a lot of things to be angry about in this world, not just for trans people, but I mean the world's a fucked up place. We all know this. It's the world out there is a fucked up place. And we can say, oh, that's no reason to be depressed about it. Well, maybe it is. And I'm not a life coach or anything, but we do need to we all of us need to find the things in life that are good. They will propel us to the next day. For me, that was, you know, accepting this uh, decades-long secret. It makes me sound so much older. Why do I keep saying decades? Transitioning doesn't cure everything, but it puts me in a better position to, to take the good with the bad, or the bad with the good. And even after transitioning, you know, um, there was, so, I was at a hotel in Pasadena, and even though Pasadena is not that far, I, uh, spent the night because of, uh, scheduling timing, uh, concerns, but there was a hotel, and it was in Southern California, but the, the employees there were idiots, and they were... Plays there were, uh, some of them were bigoted idiots. And they were also incompetent beyond that. And finally on the checkout day, I went down to talk to the manager on duty and say, like, look, they had screwed up a bunch of shit. And I was, uh, fed up with it. And let's just say the hotel bill was not something that I, uh, I, I thought it needed a little bit of correcting. And this little smartass... It's clearly transphobic, is standing behind the counter, acting like a total dick. And there was a point in my head, I was like, you know, okay, this guy wants to, you know, treat you like a piece of shit, you know, swing away. You, you know, there's the, the Star Wars line, you may fire when ready, Grand Moff Tarkin. I just let loose and went at the guy, and yeah, I got my, uh, Let's just say my voice was heard. And I felt better after it. And I was angry. And I let it go. I raised my voice. And then after that, it was over. And that felt good. Sometimes it feels good to be angry. And to know that there's a time when that can stop. When you can regain control and you say, okay, you've said your bit. You've made your point. And now it's time for this thing to not consume you anymore. Uh, there have been professional instances where I've been very mistreated. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of discrimination that still exists. And you have to fight for yourself a lot of the time. You can say, oh, you know, I feel like there's just this, this, this uh, approach to ang anger that people are, uh, that people struggle with. Because it's, it's not supposed to be a good thing. It can be useful, and it can be productive. And, you know, if you're spending your life trying to repress uh, anger over righteous things, things that you have a right to be angry about, then uh, maybe that's kind of a form of bottling it up itself. 
you know, feelings can either be wholly good or bad. You know, if you're feeling like super, super happy over something that doesn't make any sense, uh, you know, there might be an issue. You know, we don't want to tread into the realm of mania over things. Uh, Likewise, if you're, you know, going to be all chicken little over, um, you know, if you're going to make a mountain out of a molehill, an obvious molehill, it's uh, not good, not good on that extreme either. Maybe extreme happiness isn't so bad. And there are, you know, stupid things that it's okay to be very happy about. Like if you get a box of bit of honeys and they're all chewy and delicious rather than like mostly rock hard. Um, Is that something that should make someone stay? Well, maybe. So estradiol has been a godsend in a lot of ways. Estradiol has allowed me to feel in a much more controlled manner. And it's not like I want to be like some neutral uh, person, but um, I want to have uh, I want to have control over how I feel about things. When things are funny, I want to laugh. Things are sad, I want to cry. Boy, one thing that they really don't tell you when you start ah, yeah, I guess they kind of do tell you it, but you don't really uh, you really not expect. I cry at like everything now. I cry at everything now. Not, 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 not literally everything, but if something's sad, oh, it's so easy to get me to cry. Like a, a TV show. That's TV and movies are, are really what I'm sort of hitting at, not walking down the street and seeing something sad. Although there was this, uh, there's this children's series. Lead character is Owl. It's not, not Winnie the Pooh's Owl, but, um, there's a story where Owl makes teardrop tea, and he makes uh, he he fills a pot with tears. He cries about mundane things, like things that fall behind the uh, stove or whatnot. And uh, it said Owl was sad, and he cries, and then brews the tea. It's a, it's a very strange story, but um, to this day, my family, if we see like a, a sock that's on the side of the street, or like a, a full donut that somebody's dropped on the ground. Usually it's just things that have been left behind. We uh, we say to ourselves, the owl would be very sad. Uh, it's it's in my lexicon so, so much that uh, even Tara says it, even though she's never actually read Owl. And actually, as a result of this uh, recording, probably going to go and read Owl, so uh, that's another plus. You should... I'll link to it. Ah, the Owl story. <laughs> Owl would be sad moments don't make me... I don't cry when I see random socks on the street. But uh, we were watching uh, the Pixar movie, The Good Dinosaur, the other day. It's a movie that's that's kind of has a very derivative plot, but is also basically really aimed at small children versus uh, more of a general audience like the rest of the Pixar movies. Like, I guess Toy Story is ostensibly a kid's movie, but people of all ages enjoy it. I certainly love it. Um... And after seeing Toy Story 4, we, I think Good Dinosaur is one of the few Pixar movies I haven't seen, so we wanted to watch it. And I, I, I didn't, I, there's a lot to like about it. There's, there's not tons to love about it. 
But even the ending of that, I was like, I was on the brink of tears, and and I, I sort of kept thinking to myself, is this my hormones, or is this the the way the story? Am I responding to the uh, really good, strong sense of storytelling that that Pixar is capable of? And I think it's probably the latter, but maybe a little bit of help from the hormones. And it's not the worst thing in the world to see like a a, a decently told story and to feel something at the end of it. And I'm one of those people who does kind of irrationally respond to um, endings of franchise and stuff. This is entertainment. Like, Adventure, Avengers Endgame. Uh, it made me sad to think about the, the end of the first ten years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but there's going to be... For the next few decades of my life, the next several decades of my life, the next many decades of my life, there's going to be plenty of entertainment. Entertainment that will probably be better than the stuff that we've seen before, but endings uh, endings can make people sad. I've always been somebody who's kind of emotional at goodbyes, even even goodbyes I don't really care about. Um, and that's okay. But with with regard to HRT, it's it's been very valuable in my life in the sense that I... It's been very valuable in the sense that I have a better sense of, of when I'm feeling something that's maybe not proportional to what I should be feeling. Like I had tears swelling in my eyes at the good dinosaur and I, I looked over to Tara and I said, I, I, I'm feeling very emotional at this and I, I, I don't think this movie was very good. And that's a part of transitioning that I was told by my doctor when I was starting that I might get emotional over strange things or just emotional in general. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to cry at stupid things. I don't actually hate crying. Which is not to say that I like crying particularly, but uh, just an example. Let's go back to pop culture yet again. I saw Christopher Robin last year. When when I saw Christopher Robin last year, the live action Winnie the Pooh, I cried like five or six times. And I, unlike the Good Dinosaur, and it'd be nice if off the top of my head I could think of something that wasn't like a children's movie that makes me cry. But I've cried during Pose, but. Um, with Christopher Robin, I Winnie the Pooh is a huge figure of endearment in my family. Uh, my grand my grandfather loves Pooh. My grandmother loved Pooh. My parents love Pooh. My sister loves Pooh. Tara loves Pooh. I love Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. I keep saying Pooh. It's a great philosopher all these valuable life lessons, and it was emotional because um, it reminded me so much of uh, that silly old bear with the great mindset on life. Most things can be solved with a pot of honey, something sweet. And just to be excited about uh, lacing up your boots and going on an adventure. I don't think in the cartoon he wore that many boots, if ever. And the rain, rain, rain came down, down, down. 
I was going to bring Mr. Rogers in to talk about feelings. Uh, maybe later. We'll take a break from the uh, children's show comparisons now. But um, one of the wild things about HRT is uh, I feel all of these things that I don't, that I haven't felt before or that I haven't felt in this way before. And it's something that's so difficult to communicate to people because uh, most of us know our own emotions by the time we're in our late 20s. We know how we feel. We know that so much that maybe we don't uh, stop to think about it. And if you're listening, uh, one of the maybe the, the, the benefits that I can hope to achieve with this podcast is just, just for you to think about your emotions Maybe particularly the ones that cause you uh, anxiety or whatnot, just to just to check in and see where you're at. Because, I mean, that's something that I, I as a result of this uh, journey, where I have to relearn all of these emotions. And I think back to my first couple of months on uh, HRT because it was it's a gradual process. Um. Because you're introducing a couple of medications in, and if there's any, co- they they like to start you essentially one at a time and up your dosages and all that because it's uh, a lot easier that way. If something does go wrong, to figure out what it is versus if you start six different medications, you have a reaction. You're maybe not sure which one it is. Now that's not really a good way to practice medicine. So it was gradual. It was a gradual process. I didn't well. The initial, the very, very initial process was a jumpstart of this big needle of estrogen that was uh, uh, injected into my tush. And I've struggled to talk about the first week on HRT. Maybe because I, I doubt my own, uh, I doubt the things that I actually felt. Maybe writing them off as psychosomatic. And maybe they are. And maybe that doesn't, maybe that also doesn't invalidate them. I felt this glow about me, which I guess contracts, uh, um, contrasts with, with the, now I take six estradiol pills a day. I used to only take two. Uh, Along with, I'm actually on my progesterone cycle also as, of this recording. I'll get into that in a little while. But I felt this glow and it was well who knows if the glow was real or not, but the glow whether it existed, uh it was it was it it was really the journey to start that, the I've talked about this in transition on my own terms, but the time after I Decided I was going to transition, and then the time, the time between that and then starting HRT is just so brutal, because it's just all this waiting. So if I feel like uh, some part of me was glowing with excitement, it is because it was such a long journey. I don't know if that's a symptom or not, but uh It's exciting and scary, and actually, it was very scary. I actually even had trouble driving home from Beverly Hills, and I I was moving at the time, but I, I think that was probably the last time I ever drove from 
Claremont to Beverly Hills, which is a very long drive. It sucks. And when you're scared about your hormones stuff, I actually, I almost fainted. And I fainted a couple times on HRT, energy levels and all of that, um, which isn't fun, but um, it was just a scary, exciting experience. And I wanted to, I talk about it in spite of the fact that uh, to this day, I'm not exactly sure how to process what I felt, but I, I talk about it because I felt it. You know, there's that uh, obnoxious Ben Shapiro quote, Max, don't care about your feelings. His little squeaky voice. Facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, feelings are important. They're very important. Feelings control the world. Think of what a thin-skinned baby we have in the White House. Think of how much better the world would be if Trump's mental health was in a better state. If he wasn't such a raging narcissist. A cruel, disgusting, vile human being. And the reason that you should care about your feelings is so you don't become that loathsome oaf. Not that, uh, not that, not that failing to check in with yourself every once in a while puts you at risk of that, but, um, feelings make up who we are. And if you're not aware of that or you neglect that or something, maybe you're losing a part of yourself. I don't know. These are personal personal aspects of ourselves that are difficult to communicate, especially in, in any sense, whether it's writing or video or audio like this podcast, it's difficult to convey this stuff. And I guess I, I struggle with, with my feelings the first week of HRT because I don't want people to uh, listen to this and accept that as, as uh, doctrine for uh, how a person may feel after starting HRT. It is how I felt, and I'm still not sure what to make of it, but um, it's so good to talk about it, to try and uh, unpack uh, these sorts of feelings. And perhaps the greatest proof of all that uh, HRT works is I don't get uncontrollably angry very often anymore. I have a much firmer grasp on my own emotions. I have a much firmer grasp on my own emotions. Happy, sad, ang uh, angry, disappointed, frustrated, melancholic. All of that stuff, you know, they, 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 they all, um, like every human, I experience all of that stuff, and, um, it's a lot easier to determine what's what and what's causing it. And, um, you know, as, as plenty of, of women, cisgender, trans, or otherwise would tell you, uh, our hormones are all over the place sometimes. And uh, there can be a degree of irrationality to it for anyone. But now on HRT, I also uh, have a much firmer grasp on... Being able to determine when something is an irrational emotion. If you're angry for no reason, you don't... I guess when people get angry or they overreact, a lot of times there's a natural inclination to try and uh, justify it or rationalize why you had that kind of reaction. 
I don't really try to do that that much. If there is no reason, I like to kind of, uh, if you're feeling angry, in my eyes, it's better to understand sometimes that there may be no reason for that, and you're just feeling uh, hormonal, which uh, now would probably be a good time to bring progesterone into the conversation. So progesterone is, I often call it the fire pill, because my progesterone cycle, which happens for about a third of the month, can make me very irritable. A side effect is irritability. In fact, I'll read you the side effects right now. Progesterone is the main sex hormone involved in menstruation. So, though I don't have a menstrual cycle in terms of transitioning, it's meant to kind of simulate it because there's a lot of um, tertiary parts to bodily development that happen as a result of all of that. So, uh, not every trans person goes on progesterone. In fact, a lot of doctors are... Uh, the jury's still kind of out on whether it's a good thing to describe uh, to pre- whether it's a good thing to prescribe for trans people. It's a it's still kind of a continuing and once again it's a good idea to just acknowledge that my hormone uh, my transitioning hormones can be different from other people. That's usually best illuminated in what kind of uh, testosterone blocker people are on. But not everybody gets put on progesterone. Could be for the best. But uh, in terms of... In terms of uh, side effects... So some of the side effects, according to the... Typically dubious uh, medical resource known as WebMD, which I don't recommend looking at, but uh, just for the sake of... I guess it's probably safe for side effects of a medication. These are side effects. If you went to CVS and were getting a consult, you'd get that kind of stuff. But uh, the side effects include headache, changes in heart rate, coughing, depression, fatigue, menstrual changes, confusion, difficulty breathing, vision changes, vertigo, and low blood pressure. Um... It may also cause symptoms of an allergic reaction, such as skin rash, itchy skin, tightness on the chest, tingling, mouth and throat, trouble breathing. Other possible side effects include dizziness, swelling, digestive upset, drowsiness, I've heard irritability also mentioned. Um, Like a lot of those things. I guess depression, fatigue, that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, And I actually... When we say, you know, possible side effects, as with anything, it's not really, we're not really referring to uh, inevitable side effects, but it can make me very angry in the sense that, uh, you know, something happens and you just, like, snap for a second. You're like, Arr! I did it the other day at breakfast, and immediately I was like, whoa, I have a reaction there, Tiger. And that's another just kind of beauty of, uh, HRT, I've had, uh, experienced enough emotions, both with the male sex hormones and, uh, my, uh, HRT, male sex hormones before I transitioned, and with HRT that I can realize that, oh boy, that, uh, that wasn't necessary. 
And it's weird. And it's also weird just to get... I mean, it's something that that plenty of us, cisgender or otherwise, uh, experience. Uh, Depression that you maybe can't at first understand why and you got to think about it. Uh, I still experience depression a fair amount. Not the gender dysphoria type of transition. And that's honestly, you know, another good reason to just have a podcast to talk about mental health is um, if you if you talk to people who aren't necessarily all that informed and you talk about being depressed or feeling depressed or all of that, a lot of times people go immediately to the, oh, do you regret transitioning? That's This happened a few times with me. So now I'm feeling depressed today. Oh, do you regret transitioning? That's that's literally happened. And you look and you're like, no. And it's actually not that being depressed is fun, but there actually is something uh, weirdly liberating in the sense that you can recognize that... You're depressed and that, that it's not because of that, that you didn't make a mistake. I've, I've never once experienced regret transitioning, which is not to say that uh, if I could snap my fingers and become cisgender, uh, if that was a magic power that I had, uh, I would like to probably not be on hormones for the rest of my life. That's, these are the cards I was dealt, but um, it's nice to know that your gender. It, it, it's nice to know that uh, of all of the things in life that, uh, as a millennial, you know, millennial dread is this this constant thing that uh, plenty of us encounter. But it's nice to know that in that regard, if I'm feeling a little down on the world, it's because there's a lot of reasons to be down in the world, and it's not because of the gender identity issues that plagued me for so long. So. uh... And I guess maybe maybe just as advice, um, I guess maybe as advice on a more general scale, it's helpful when you're feeling down to just acknowledge, yes, I am sad. And if you know the reason or if you don't know the reason, either way, it's still, um, it's still good to just take a second and say, okay. This isn't fun, but the sun will rise tomorrow, and maybe it'll be a new day, and maybe it won't, but if it's not, I can still try and find happiness in some other type of thing. We all have our, uh, we all have our things we do when we're sad. Make a cup of tea, go for a quiet walk, watch a spot of TV show. Read a good book. Read a bad book. An adult coloring book. Any kind of coloring book that if you're an adult and you pick up, that can also be a coloring book. I think actually the younger coloring books are... Coloring books made for children are probably cheaper. If you're feeling sad, go to CVS, pick up a coloring book, some crowns. You may feel better. I actually a lot of times find calm in you know, mundane procedural things like uh, running updates on my computer, putting on a record and cleaning my office, or 
playing a quiet video game. A lot of video games aren't quiet, but uh, Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, that kind of fun stuff. Go to a movie. Go get a nice piece of pie somewhere, like the ending of Million Dollar Baby. And we talked about a movie that wasn't meant for a five-year-old, so bravo. Um, progesterone for a third of the month, I have to kind of be on uh, alert that I could be sad. I could be sad for no reason. Um, and oftentimes it actually, I, I make it through and I make it through okay. Which is, um, you know, certainly good for a lot of reasons, but also just from the perspective of... Um, it's good to know that when human emotions are coming, you still have the ability to say, okay, I can handle this. Because, I mean, that's what, you know, mental health or uh, chamomile tea or yoga. Listening to the, the woman who says that you should only have a few books and no clutter. I actually like clutter. I don't think clutter is distressful. Uh, I don't think clutter is stressful, but... These are all things that, um, I feel like this is something that a lot of people struggle with, the idea of, uh, how to deal with emotions when they come. And I don't, I don't mean to present myself as somebody who, uh, is an expert on it. Only as somebody who thinks about that kind of stuff a lot. And that's really, that's the best I can do. That's the best any of us can do. Maybe, I don't know, the, the people who are super, super, super good at meditation live up in Nepal, somewhere nice, uh, not a care in the world. Or maybe they do. I mean, that's the, that's the you know, to return to, to, return to the subject of just broader subject of feelings just the notion that these are difficult things to communicate to people and we live in this world especially for for boys are discouraged from sharing their feelings people go oh that's that's girly or that's gay um, feelings are universal animals have feelings we know that everybody has feelings and the more I think about feelings, the more convinced I am that, uh, or the more reminded I am that they're going to come and it's going to happen to us regardless of, uh, whether we want it to or not. It, uh, we will feel things individually. And you can try to shut it off. You can try to shut off certain aspects, especially if you're in the closet or, you know, you want to look tough and project like a macho man. Um, you can try that, but it's going to come at a personal cost, probably. Maybe not. And the way I, I, I just... Nowadays, I approach the subject of uh, mental health and uh, feelings just uh, on, a, on a broader scale with A renewed sense of um, contentment. Not as if I have any clue of what's, uh, what's going on, but the ability to, to, to process the unknown. Maybe not to figure it out, but not to cry over spilt milk either. 
you know, I, uh, uh, like seemingly every millennial these days, uh, I, I, I'm still scared about the future. I think a lot of us are scared, millennial or otherwise. I mean, God, you read about, go read about climate change for 10 minutes and not feel uh, a sense of existential dread. It's, it's natural. And not feel a sense of existential dread. It's natural. There's other things, you know, it's like, uh, don't worry about the things you can't change. Um, I don't know how many times somebody's heard that and then thought to themselves, well, I won't worry. Worrying is natural. We have the ability to control our emotions. Maybe um, control may not even be the best word. The ability to try and steer them. You know, a, a captain at a ship can't control the weather. Um, can't always control the ship but uh, either, but still behind the wheel trying to. Better than saying, all right, I'm just going to go uh, kick back, have a drink, and... Uh, You know, whatever happens, happens. And actually, I mean, speaking of drinking, because uh, the last solo show I did was on uh, alcohol and transitioning. And um, I've never been somebody who turned to the bottle when I was sad, because I know that that is a, a kind of a fruitless endeavor. Alcohol itself is, a, is literally a depressant. So if you're trying to... The best, the best that a that a, a dram of whiskey can do for somebody feeling down is to just kind of uh, cloud their mind enough to 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 stop dwelling on it. But it it's li not not literally gonna bring endorphins into you. It's not literally going to make you feel better. Time makes you feel better, but without that crutch, and I say that without that crutch, I mean still have marijuana, but. Uh, <laughs> not having that on the table and you're feeling sad and you have to like look at yourself and uh say okay well <laughs> i'm feeling this i'm i'm the one who's gonna feel a different way eventually and that's maybe also just the value of communication if you've been feeling sad and then had somebody else uh uplift you and then maybe you've been in a position where you've been able to do that for somebody else Transitioning, you think about kindness a lot, just on a, on a, in a general sense. Because so much of the world is, is not kind to transgender people, to LGBTQ people, to people of color, to women. Much of the world is not kind to, to, to straight, cisgender, uh, heterosexual men either. You know, people can be really cruel. I don't think cruel people probably listen to a, this this particular podcast, but we, you know, there was a time when I was uh, feeling sad. I was at a conference and something hadn't gone the way. I was just kind of feeling down and I was uh, not despondent, but just... Uh, down like literally just sort of your run-of-the-mill sadness which uh 
you know, not 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 any of the sky is falling crap, but uh, this. Oh, he was. I was gonna say this gay guy. Yeah, he. Not sure of his sexual orientation. Uh, except in the sense that it was one of those things that really does kind of make you feel like uh, the LGBTQ community is more than just kind of an abstract umbrella term. Here is this guy seeing the the sad transgender woman just kind of standing off to the side. He went over and invited me to sit with them and. Uh, we talked it a bit, and then I went and hung out with my friends a little later, but, uh, I was grateful to him for that moment, because, uh, I was feeling a little sad, and, uh, this guy clearly saw that, took, uh, member of the community in. Not to say the straight people couldn't either, but, uh, we sit, we sit. It's something I think about a lot, what, what the LGBTQ community means, and the truth is, you do find community in a lot of, uh, a lot of your peers, because they know what you've been through. And the transgender people listening who have uh, sat while I've uh, really tried to go through this HRT stuff, because it's it's dense, and I don't know how well of a job I've done, other than I, all I can say is that I've tried, tried to speak my truth in a way that represents the emotions that I felt at the time, and the way that I feel about them now. It's the kind of episode that I could record about a hundred times and... Something things that sound the same, but sometimes it would, I mean, it would probably sound different in a lot of uh, iterations, like when Doctor Strange and Infinity War is sitting there, 14 million, only one out of 14 million did they beat Thanos, but uh, I like to think there's more odds that I would uh, find plenty of happiness in this world, especially now that uh, transitioning is largely out of the way. Settling into normal of trying to figure out these emotions, these feelings that, um, were so foreign to me seemingly not that while, uh, long ago, but time moves fast. I mean, this podcast has been around since March. That, uh, four months. That's not four months. Close. Three? I don't know. I'm not good at math, but, uh... That's just another reason to, to stop and check in with yourself to see how you're doing. I try not to think about it too much, but if there's any ever a good moment to think about it, it'd probably be now. Just the the sense that there's a long term effect from um, all the time I spent hating myself in the closet, just eating away at you. All of that really untreated depression, or poorly treated, not effectively treated. That did get treated eventually, but you know, I've actually, I, I really haven't been ever somebody who's liked therapy, and I've been to plenty of therapists, and I've liked a lot of my therapists, and I like talking about myself a lot. Case in point, I have a podcast, and this is a solo episode. I like talking about myself a fair amount. And therapy is a thing where you can sit there and talk about yourself for. 45 minutes. They say an hour, but it's not. And it just never really worked for me. I guess maybe because I wasn't really ready to face a lot of that stuff head on. I'm more ready to do that now. But there's not this sort of one-stop uh, cure for, for hap- or solution to happiness or cure for depression. Uh, different things work for different people. 
but the number one the number one reason that I really care about the fight for equality is I mean there's there's the there's the human element that's obviously uh first and foremost the fact that we're a nation that said all men were created equal and we've never lived up to that but even just beyond that i know the personal toll it's taken to think that what you are is uh unnatural, unlovable, unsustainable, unsuitable for our modern uh modern culture for our modern day of way, for our modern way of life. And I, I, I really do I, I think I'm still unpacking that. I, I, I think that uh those years in the closet have uh Left some deep emotional scars that, uh, I mean, who knows if they'll heal or not. I'd like them to. And, and that's, that's important. We have to all want to get better if we're, if we're feeling out of whack with our feelings. Uh, there's a powerful first step in just saying, you know, okay, I need to find somebody to talk to, somebody I trust. And you're never really sure at what point you'll feel better, but um, you're not going to feel better staying in the closet or, or keeping it bottled up. <laughs> not to say that, you know, you have to go form a committee to deal with every negative emotion you have, but, uh, you know, something something having... You know, after I transitioned, after I... Uh, didn't have to just carry the inner turmoil of uh, carrying that stuff around with the eyes. I mean, it wasn't like I, I had partners who knew I was trans before I was out publicly. Um, it was just just an under, unaddressed facet of my life. It was there, and uh, it ate away at me. But um, with that off my plate, you know, I, I say to people. Said so to my uh, my parents or to Tara or other people, like I, I I really I don't have any deep secrets anymore. And I guess uh, I mean I I don't know how many of you have have deep dark secrets you haven't told to absolutely anybody, but uh, something like an R plus L equals J in Game of Thrones, or um, we still don't know who Ray's parents are in Star Wars, or. Who, po- who poisoned the honeyed locust if you're a book fan for Game of Thrones? That kind of stuff. I don't have any deep secrets anymore. It's sad. Not really, though. I smile when I say that. I'm like, you know? People can say, oh, you're uh They can say I'm a complex person, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't have any secrets. I'm an open book, sort of, I guess. An open book, maybe, that you can't interpret all the words. Maybe, like, uh, a little, sometimes a little bit like Ulysses or Finnegan's Wake. Much like we all are, I guess. But I'm um, working on the translation. I feel oddly optimistic right now. For no... I, 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 if you've listened to my other shows, you know I like to kind of end on a upbeat note. But uh, I feel a bit. I was worried about uh, doing a podcast on feelings. And... I imagine there's some people who are just like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to listen anymore. But if you've made it this far, 
I hope this has been time well spent or you've you've gotten something from it because I have. The more I kind of resisted the notion of doing this episode, the more I realized I needed to. If not for me, I mean, if not for anyone else, for just, just just for me and the stuffed animals I currently have in the studio to use as a conduit to speak to. Although I have them here anyway, even when I'm recording with a guest. We human beings are... Uh, even beyond that, um, life is filled with emotions, and we don't always know where they're going to take us. We rarely know where they're going to take us, um, beyond uh, watching a Hallmark movie or NBC with those commercials for This Is Us, like, get ready to cry. And yet people tune into that show. So the sad tears, um, maybe... Uh, have some value in a lot of people's lives. I mean, there's a reason people like horror movies or comedies. Art is supposed to make you, uh, it's supposed to um, elicit an emotion from you. And it doesn't always elicit the same emotions from people. I mean, some art is just simply meant to be entertainment, but uh, laughter leaves you feeling happy, or uh, horror movies are supposed to be scared, but... Uh, that could be an emotion that, I mean, horror movies still do well, and we have all of this millennial dread. And Somebody should do an academic paper on that. To wrap things up, I've learned a lot about myself on HRT. I've learned that um, I can control my emotions. There's, to bring Mr. Rogers back into the equation, it's actually, there's a there's a song, I mentioned it, in our uh, season wrap-up with Clint, uh, the Game of Thrones season uh, 8 wrap-up episode, the Mr. Rogers song, What You Do With The Mad That You Feel. And it's all about sort of productive outlets to, uh, to harness your anger. But it's really a song that can um, apply to any kind of emotion. To wrap things up, uh, <laughs> uh, emotions are tricky. That's why I encourage you to uh, check in with yourself constantly. Not, maybe constantly wasn't the uh, absolute best term. Check in with yourself uh, regularly. If only for a few seconds. Say, how am I feeling? Feeling good? And, uh, you know, remember when you're feeling down that things do get better. Sometimes they get worse after they get better, but then they get better again. It's like Helter Skelter. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the side. I get to the top and I go for a ride. Yeah, that's basically it. Not the, not the Charles Manson interpretation, but, you know, remember who you are. And remember that uh, feelings are, are, are not something to be ashamed of or wrong. Uh, putting pedos aside, those are wrong. Um, most emotions, not pedo related, are are good. <laughs> it's okay to feel. It's important to feel, and it's uh, it's even more important to uh, recognize that what you're feeling is a part of you.
and that can change. But uh, always be aware of it. And uh, I say this at the end of every episode, but um, thank you so much for listening. This has been a cathartic, uh, cathartic experience for me. And uh, I hope you got something out of it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 